0: Welcome to What Is Black podcast, a podcast where we have frank discussions about being black in America to help parents guide their children through the positive and negative narratives. I'm your host, Dr. Jacqueline Dujay. So let's get started with today's show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What Is Black podcast. I am so happy um, to have our special guest today, Dr. Shanta Anderson. She's a pediatrician and researcher at the University of Southern California. I'm. Um, Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Anderson.
1: Oh, well, thank you for having me, Jackie. Always happy to be on. All
0: right. So many of you may be familiar with Dr. Shanta Anderson. As I told her before the interview, I've name dropped her quite, quite often because <laughs> I'm like, I'm so happy that I happen to know her because she's a great, great person as well as um, a great pediatrician. So again, thank you for taking the time to join us today.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm happy to do it
0: so today's episode, I wanted to focus a little bit on the health effects of racial discrimination um, I've done a couple of couple of other episodes that talk about racial stress. We talked about racial socialization a little bit, the talk um, and some other topics related to to parenting but I thought this was a really important important um, topic, and I know that you're I think of you as an expert in this field so before we get started, I, was I don't know if you wanted to share a little bit more information, if I, if I was too brief, you know, um, about who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. I'm happy to, to give a little bit more background. So, as I mentioned, I'm Ashanti Anderson. I'm a pediatrician. I do general pediatrics out of the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles here in L.A., and I'm also affiliated with the University of Southern California Keck School of Medicine. I'm an assistant professor there. My area of research really focuses around um, race, what it means to kids, um, both uh, racial discrimination, how that might impact their health and well-being, and also something called racial socialization. So that is the process by which children learn about race and what it means in the world, and it turns out that that also impacts their health outcomes. As well, and I'm particularly interested in racial socialization because that's something that's in our hands as some people who care for children. Whether you're pediatricians, healthcare providers, you know, teachers, child care providers, parents, just all of us who come into contact with children from day to day, our interactions around racial socialization are things that we are totally in charge of, and so we can help, you know, kids to have more resilience or have a you know, better response to the world around them as
0: it relates to race. Okay. I, think for, I think most of us, you know, we know that racial discrimination, racism is not good for anybody, kids or adults. But as you said, your, re, you know, your research on um, race and racial socialization, can you tell us if there, are, if there are more effects to racial discrimination than just, you know, it's not good for us?
1: Sure. I can um, talk a little bit more about that. I mean, many studies have looked at the connection between racial discrimination and health, and uh, some of them have focused on children. I would say probably more of them on adults, but even the ones that focus on children find that racial discrimination is bad for your health, which we all suspected. But the studies go into further detail. The majority of these studies, and there's over 100 of them, focus on mental health outcomes. So they look at things like depression and anxiety. And both of those are, you know, worsened or increased when a child is exposed to racial discrimination, as you might expect. And um, in addition, you know, more positive mental health um, aspects like self-esteem and resilience are actually decreased when children are exposed to, things like racial discrimination. Another area that I hear about from parents a lot being a pediatrician outpatient clinic is behavior, which uh, matters a lot for people who are dealing with children of various ages and behavior is another area that's impacted greatly by uh, racial discrimination. It can really impact kids in a way that causes them to act out more or causes them to close out more and be less outgoing. So I would say probably mostly the areas of mental health, um, and behavior impacted greatly for children uh, as it relates to, you know, racial discrimination and their health, very, very few studies have looked at physical health outcomes, so there's not a lot that we can say there. Other few studies that have been done, some of them have been inconclusive, some of them have said that there are some physical health symptoms, but we suspect that, you know, when children are more anxious or more depressed or, you know, acting out or withdrawn, that that is ultimately not going to have a positive effect for their physical health as well. If you can imagine that if you really get into serious problems with your, your mental health and your behavior, the older you are and the more you are to get access to some things that could be harmful, you know, you might choose to self-medicate yourself with substances or Alcohol, or being more risky in your health behaviors, or perhaps having more sexual partners or unsafe sexual practices. There's just a number of problems that you know kids and adolescents can get into when they're trying to deal with this tough feelings around the stressful experiences, like encountering racial discrimination.
0: Now, that's a th- I mean, that's a thing that that I find like so fascinating. I mean, not that not that it should be should be so so shocking, right? That if you if you're dealing with you know constant Um, negative images of yourself or not hearing affirming, you know, affirming messages that that's going to, that's going to, that's going to affect you. But I think the fact that it does cause, or there's an association with, you know, maybe depression or anxiety or behavior. I think I find that so, you know, so interesting, right? Because I think for maybe for a lot of parents, maybe for, they might be thinking that, okay, well, you know, could this be an aso- Could this be what's causing some of the issues with my kids? So I'm just wondering, like, as a mm-hmm. as a pedi- as a pediatrician, or you know, as we're pediatricians, how do you help families sort of like tease that out? Well, like, it's,
1: it's very difficult <laughs> uh, because you know, children they're they're dealing with a, a number of experiences and. And some of those could be related to their racial, ethnic background. Some of those could be related to the kind of clothes that they're wearing or the friends that they hang out with. So it can be difficult. I think it is the primary work of parenting to constantly be trying to solve the mystery of what it is that's really, you know, bothering your child at this point. And I think a, the best way to do that is just to have open lines of communication. So just from early in your child's life, just to always, you know, make them feel welcome to explain what it is that they're feeling whether it's at the dinner table and we're talking about you know what happened today it's also good to talk about how do you feel about what happened today just to um to have a situation where if something does happen to them along the lines of racial discrimination they'd be more likely to share it with you because you know first thing is disclosing it. if you don't know about it then there's there's not really much that you can do i mean if you are a parent you suspect that you know something may have happened despite you know, some clues or hints or the way that your child's acting, you know, a little different. You can ask them about it. In the the clinical setting, you know, we have some situations in which it would be appropriate for us to ask more probing questions. And so, for instance, in pediatrics, we are, you know, really have our um, alerts up around things like bullying. So a lot of children experience bullying and, for many characteristics that they have. And so race, ethnicity, the color of your skin, your cultural background, all these things, I think that kids can be targeted for. And so if you do find that there's, you know, a child in your practice or in your classroom or in your family that's being bullied, that's an opportunity to to ask them more about it and try to find out, you know, what it is they're being bullied about and see if you can kind of help them navigate that better, especially if it's something that's racially and, um, you know, discriminatorily motivated, something that you could help them to make their way through. Besides bullying, we also talk a lot about screen time and uh, the clinics with our parents. And I think it's important to know what your children are watching. And uh, if you can, to to be a part of that, to help them filter what's going on, because they will see a lot of images as you mentioned before. Sometimes you just might see yourself not portrayed in a good light or you're, you're someone from your racial ethnic background not portrayed in a good way and to help parents to understand those things to demystify some of the stereotypes they see so that they don't begin to internalize it as, you know, what they really are, the way that everyone in the world might perceive of them. So I think those are a couple of areas that I usually tell people to, have to look out for, maybe entry ways to start a conversation and find out what's going on with their child who might be troubled around them, bullying and screen time, those kinds of things.
0: So, how do how early do you think kids will even be aware of racial discrimination?
1: So that's a good question that I often would be asked. I spent some time some years ago talking to groups of parents of very young children to try to find out uh, how they help their kids deal with issues like racial discrimination, racial identity, those kinds of things. And the question that would come up often was well, like how you know is this really relevant for my, my young child for, by young child, we meant like four years old or younger. And so, you know, parents would discuss together if this was something that was really relevant. And before long, you know, someone in the group, a few people in the group would have, you know, stories where they could relate how their child was young and how they had an experience where they were treated differently because of their racial and ethnic background. So it's something that's relevant even for the the youngest children, when are the children themselves able to perceive it, I think it's something that is going to be on a case-by-case basis because every situation can be different for every child they're involved in and then that particular child's ability to kind of take in the different aspects of it um, can be different from child to child. So when they understand that it's really discrimination, it's hard to say. We do have some research that um, speaks to, uh, when children do begin to demonstrate racial bias, there are the, the doll studies that were done by the, the Clarks way back in the 1930s and 40s that show that children as young as three years old already demonstrate some signs of um, racial bias. Now, we don't know if it goes down to even younger because it just happens that the youngest children in those studies were three years old, and that's also around the time children are able to kind of reliably communicate to you what's going on in words you would have to use some other strategies to find out what's going on for younger kids, but at least by age three, you know, kids in those doll studies were saying, you know, that the the doll that happened to be black was associated with a lot of the negative characteristics and that the doll, that happened to be white was associated with a lot of positive characteristics. And, that, you know, even for the kids themselves, it was not always clear where they got those ideas from or why they felt that way. Mm-hmm. But they were fairly consistent, you know, consistent enough that it impacted the way our country decided to regulate the school systems that led to ultimately to a court decision that found that desegregation was just, you know, not something that was in the best interest of children's health. And so schools were desegregated as a result. So, I would say fairly early in life before most of us even think it impacting, before they start school, they're already starting to um to be influenced by racial bias which ultimately they may understand to be racial discrimination.
0: I know that I mean most most kids when, when they go to the doctor's office, that's probably not going to be the di- you know, the diagnosis like that's, you know that's why you have anxiety, depression it's probably mm-hmm. multifactorial, but I think, I think mm-hmm. this is an important thing that parents. Um, you know, should be aware of I mean, I think most parents are aware of racial discrimination, um but I think knowing that that it does play a role right and there 's an opportunity, like you said to really talk about it, but I was wondering, aside from just having the conversations what what other things can can parents do to sort of help mitigate some of the effects of racial discrimination mm-hmm. yeah that's a, well that 's
1: in the, the area that I call racial socialization, like what are the things that we can do, what are the processes that are going on to help kids kind of navigate any you know, negative effects they might have from racial discrimination or the conversation around race in this country. And uh, one of the ones that I really like is called cultural pride reinforcement. It is the most studied in the racial socialization strategy that's out there in the, the literature. And it is just what it sounds like it is, you know, helping a child to have more pride in their cultural background. And in this instance, we know that race and ethnicity and culture, they are all different, but um, those are all things that um, overlap in ways that are helpful for us. So helping a child to feel good about their particular racial or ethnic or cultural background has been tied to really great outcomes for them as far as those same mental health and behavioral outcomes that we were concerned about when we talked about racial discrimination, having more cultural pride, actually helps boost all those areas in a positive direction. So there are many things that parents can do, you know, depending on the age of the child, what's appropriate. But even from the youngest ages, parents can share books and other you know, media with children that um, represents the other kids who look like them in a, a positive light that helps them to feel good about um, aspects of their culture, even starting very concrete things for the youngest kids, just like the color of the skin or the texture of the hair and just giving it a, a positive twist as opposed to maybe the, the negative you know connotations that they might get from other places, so you know books and media is always a good place the activities, whether there 's cultural parades or there 's museums that are culturally relevant or there's interactions with um you know other children even outside of their own cultural background helps with cultural pride for other children too so i have you know talked to lots of parents about these things it is not only about uh helping your your own child to have more cultural pride but helping to to reinforce that in other kids around you who might be from a different background because that helps all the kids to have an appreciation for diversity and the richness that is there So, you know, first I would say parents can just work by helping kids to um, acknowledge, appreciate, and understand their own cultural background and that of the people um, around them. And then the the second thing that I I usually talk about is another strategy of racial socialization that's called preparation for bias. So this one is... What I call the, the good news bad news conversation, and it's usually better put for older kids who have already experienced some kind of discrimination, so it's more uh, relevant for them and appropriate. Instead of bringing up something scary to someone who never you know, experienced it before, perhaps I'm um, talking to an older child who's already found themselves in a situation where it's relevant. But preparation for bias is letting like, them you know, hey there's a chance, you know, the bad news, you can be treated poorly because of your racial ethnic background. But the good news is that there are some things that you can do about it. And so one of those things is often while talking to your parent about what's going on and talking to, you know, other adults or leaders around you about what's going on so they can help connect you to the right resources, understanding your rights, those kinds of things, just um, giving them some some fallbacks on what they can do. Some other coping mechanisms that have been described in the literature before the spiritual religious coping is a, a common one, depending on the family's faith background, that can be something that on family issues to help the kids to have uh, more of just a sense of um, calm and confidence around these, these different aspects of their lives. Um, there's also one called extended uh, kinship caring, which is just relying on the extended family to help um, kids to navigate these issues, where you know everyone understands what their child is up against and everyone's kind of in it together to support them through it. So, preparation for biases you know is more helpful for the, the older kids and for kids who may have um experienced like um, discrimination before the the last one um that hasn't been studied quite as much but's been fairly consistent is called promotion of mistrust and that's the one where it's just the bad news, bad news. So, you know, you might be treated poorly by other people, so just don't trust them. You know, people from certain groups don't trust them. And that message doesn't really help children. It just, you know, causes them to have you know, more mental health problems or more behavioral health problems, and it doesn't really give them any tools or coping skills for them dealing with the bad news. So when I talk to parents about what they can do as far as on helping children to deal with racial discrimination... I like to promote the cultural pride reinforcement piece, you know, speak to the preparation for bias piece for the right age group, the older kids who seem like they're mature and ready enough to be able to handle that information and then staying away from things like promotion and mistrust, which uh, nobody and in my focus groups comes out they, nobody really says that they do that, but I think um, you know, subconsciously people do it kind of without thinking about it. They they say things and do things that would let kids think that they, they're not able to trust certain people in the world. And that doesn't make kids feel good about the world at their end. So just to raise parents' awareness that if they're doing that, even without thinking about it, it's good not to do it.
0: Oh, I think, I mean, I think these are great, um, great strategies. And I think, I think what's nice um, about, about your research and, and talking with you as a pediatrician, I mean, we've, we've talked before, is the fact that I think you kind of, like, really give practical advice and it's not like mm-hmm. so intangible for parents to do, so mm-hmm. which I think it which I think is great. Yeah,
1: we've really been working on that part of what I'm doing is working with the um, American Academy of Pediatrics Task Force to address bias and discrimination, and we're working hard over this past year or so and going forward to come up with even more practical strategies and resources for both providers in the clinical setting and for families at home that they can use to help their kids navigate these issues because it's really a two-pronged approach. So there are some things that you can do on an individual level when you're working with a patient and you're working with a particular child, but the problem ultimately is a systemic problem when it comes to the way our society engages people around, you know, attributes such as race and ethnicity. So we want to come at it from a systems approach as well and being within the healthcare system And uh, being advocates of children in pediatrics, we're really interested in um, making sure that our our system is on the right side of this, that we're really equipping people with uh, practical tips and strategies and resources that they need for children to achieve optimal health for us to be aware of any ways that we might be contributing to to bias, you know, be it in encounters or in uh, any healthcare that we deliver so that we can um, change our own behaviors
0: I think the other the other piece that always kind of sort of resonates with me in having other conversations with other um child health experts in this in this area racial discrimination racism racial trauma is I think that some of the the tips and strategies that we're discussing are sort of like for me I, I really think that like they're bread and butter and they they sort of um you can kind of like you know substitute a different you know different thing before the 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 guidance right because a lot of what I'm hearing is what's important is that you kind of really have to talk about it and have a conversation and that's what I'm hearing over and over again and I think for me that's that's sort of why I wanted to do this podcast is that Mm -mm. I I think I think we talk about race right I mean in your individual families but I think until we get to a point where we're like you know what naming it and saying like you know what Mm -mm. and really kind of deconstructing it and then it Kind of maybe hopefully over time we'll take the sting out of it and we kind of learn, like mm-hmm. you said, some of these coping mechanisms either as a as a parent mm-hmm. first as a parent, and then helping our kids deal with it because it's like it's so much it's so heavy, right? You know, to to be a person of color or, or, or anyone, right? I think anyone who has who can be stigmatized, right? But you know, we're we're focusing mm-hmm. on race today, and especially being being black or African American. I think it's like I think we the more we talk about it and find ways, like you say, to, um, to encourage parents and make it, make it so that it's not so heavy or make it so that it's not so taboo. Um. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, it reminded me that a common strategy that families employ around racial socialization is silence about race. Mm-hmm. And that particular strategy doesn't have quite as much you know, research behind it, so I usually don't talk about it in depth. But of the um, you know, studies that I've seen, silence about race it usually is not tied to any particular positive you know, boost and, and help for for kids. And I think that the message that kids get when there is just silence around race and people are not talking about it is that it's just too taboo to even talk about it. I often kind of recall that there's a one parent in one of my focus groups. He was um, uh, a black father and he was one of the few parents who you know, responded, why would I ever talk about this with my child? And you could tell when he was, um, you know, asking that question that there was a lot of pain and kind of um, anxiety and worry in his voice, that you could tell that he had had experiences that were hard for him even to put into words. And so it seemed like it would be difficult for him to even begin to broach the topic with his child. But you know, if there are some things that you've experienced that are so difficult for you to be able to, to name it, then, you know, how is your child to begin to even make sense of it in the world? And so I think that the place that we start from is like just you know, keeping in mind that it is a child. And uh, everybody I've talked to agrees that we we want kids to be kids and to have that the innocence, you know, and to be able to to live their lives that every child should free of worry about things that are really big and large and out of their control. But we also want them to be equipped for things, right? So I think there's a way that we can present them with the information in a way that's not overwhelming by starting with positive messages about like what's good about their background and what is wonderful about having so many different people and different, you know, traditions and foods and music that they bring. I think that's a wonderful way to start the conversation with children and help them to appreciate everything that's out there without making it something that's so taboo that we can't even talk about it because, kids get that message as well, that, you know, race can be something that's so big and so scary and so awful that we don't even, we don't even want to say the word race or racism because it's too much. I agree with you just as being able to have a dialogue, especially, you know, a public dialogue and across different you know, racial ethnic backgrounds about race, what it means, how it divides us, how we can begin to, to come back together is the, the first step in terms of being able to to help kids who are ultimately affected by racial discrimination,
0: thank you so much, um, Dr. Anderson. I think this has been a great conversation, and again to me it's, it continues to affirm um, all the great work that you're doing that um, I mean it's I mean again, it's a difficult conversation, but again, like like you were saying over our discussion, I think the fact that you know let's put it out there. There are i mean there there i mean of course it's bad racial discrimination is not positive at all, but despite mm-hmm. that, there are ways that we can help our kids help ourselves mm-hmm. um to make them to affirm them and to to help them be better
1: and hopefully mm-hmm. overcome
0: some of these these um the effects of um counter the effects of racial discrimination
1: yeah i mean i I agree. I think it's, it's important to know that and you can even turn some of the, the stories of strife into stories of um, of strength and resilience. And that was kind of my own personal experience with racial socialization and that, you know, even though in my family we were descendants of slaves, you know, it was framed in such that you had to come from people who are very strong to have experienced and persisted and achieved despite, you know, coming from those beginnings. And so I think it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom, you know, that it can be something that really builds and lifts up and, um, you know, helps um, a child have more
0: resilience. Thank you so much, Dr. Shanta. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of what is black podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts um, and comments about the episodes and you you're an apple podcast subscriber please rate and review the podcast until next time